The more the world changes, the more we find comfort in the things that never change. Never change. This is Rabbi Daniel Lappin on demand on the Blaze Radio Network. You heroic men enduring the frigid days of winter, going to work early every morning, taking care of business, and doing what your head tells you to do when your head tells you that it must be done. You men who ignore your heart's desire to indulge the body's seductive whisper, instead you boldly heed the clarion call of responsibility to those you are strong enough to support and brave enough to care for. You are the army of the righteous. You are the noble knights defending the fortress of civilization against the hungry hordes of scheming and surging savages trying to invade and conquer what you and your fathers have built, knowing that even in its wretched ruins they will live better than in anything they could possibly build themselves. Only you stand between the nightmare of socialistic slavery and the bright hope of tomorrow. And you beautiful and brave women, resisting government's treacherous proposal to marry it rather than accepting the ring of one clear-eyed man dreaming of a shared tomorrow. You gorgeously courageous women who smilingly and graciously carry the load of work, marriage, and family, inspiring your man to greatness and nurturing your young ones to moral maturity as well as physical. Yes, you men and women who do all this and so much more, yes, you are the natural audience for the Rabbi Daniel Lappin Show. You are the audience I devotedly serve, recognizing every day that I can bring you the helpful, life-affirming insights of ancient Jewish wisdom to be a day of privilege. It is indeed my honor to serve you all and my delight to welcome you to another episode of the Rabbi Daniel Lappin Show. Yes, that's right. This is the only show in the entire digital universe that reveals how the world really works. Thanks for being part of the show, and a special big thank you to all of you who promote the show, who tell others about it. And just this last week, I received a bunch, more than a dozen emails uh, addressed to me at my website, I'll give you the address later, uh, of people saying they've just started listening to the show because a cousin forwarded them the URL, a friend told them about it. Well, thank you all very much indeed. There was a big-time socialist. He was a really creative, thoughtful socialist, a true believer. He was born in 1771. That's just six years before the American Declaration of Independence. And uh, he died in the middle of the 19th century, 1858. 
Um, he uh, became wealthy partially, I must say, partially through his own enterprise, but also because he married the heiress of a fabric-spinning fortune in Scotland. He took over the fabric factory and became very successful. Um, he, um, oddly enough, he immigrated things. He started running the factory, not the way his father-in-law had run it, up there in Scotland, but uh, he started running it in accordance with his socialistic principles. He'd become increasingly infatuated with the idea of socialism, and uh, the mill stopped doing as well as it had been doing. He emigrated to America, and he bought um, the small town of Harmony, Indiana. He did that in 1825. Um, and he moved there with his sons and I think one daughter, his wife and the other daughter stayed back in Scotland. I think she'd probably got a little tired of his, uh, uh, his, his belief system. At any rate, uh, he ran the town into the ground. For the, he'd, he'd, he set it up as a socialist utopia, a paradise, and um, uh, everyone was going to be equal. It was all going to run smoothly. It ran for two years and then uh, uh, flopped, and that was pretty much the end of the story. New Harmony in Indiana on the banks of the Wabash River. Um, the, the rivers in that part of the country are far more important than we realize today because today we travel by car and our goods travel by truck or by rail, and so we're no longer aware. What's more... The roads, for the most part, don't parallel the rivers. So we're not aware that the Wabash is a pretty sizable river, and it flows down into the Ohio River. And if you look at the towns that were planted along the Ohio River during the 19th century, uh, you get a sense of the fact that the Ohio was essentially the highway of the 19th century push into the interior, basically the opening up of the western wilderness and the, um, the uh, northwest ordinance, right? When they speak about the northwest ordinance, that's not the northwest meaning Oregon and Washington. No, it's the, the northwest of Washington and New York meaning the Ohio River Valley, and eventually Indiana became part of that as well. So... Uh, there it was that uh, Robert Owen tried to create a socialist utopia. The reason that he interests me is because he's often quoted as saying, and I'm reading his words now, marriage, religion, and property are the sole causes of the calamity that has existed since the world began. In other words, private ownership of property, another way of saying money, um, marriage and religion, the three the three corded rope, the three stranded rope, if you like, and if a deeply dedicated socialist, a socialist who had really he had read meticulously and diligently, and he'd studied socialism, he felt it in his bones, and so if he believes that the main reasons. No, he doesn't say main. He said the only causes of all the calamity that has come to the world since the beginning are marriage, money, and faith. 
Well, then I think we can assume that since he is likely to be 180 degrees wrong way, we can assume that the surest and most important avenues to happiness are marriage, faith, and money. So thank you, Robert Owen, socialist extraordinaire of the first part of the 19th century. And uh, if, if that is the case, then it probably makes sense to talk a little bit about some of these things, perhaps today mostly on the marriage side. I've, I've done other shows uh, in this format recently on, on money and faith, um, largely on the marriage side. Let me identify, first of all, a simple reality that people understand with almost everything but marriage. What is that? Well, that is that if you buy an airplane, and I don't mind if it's a 737 that you're going to run as a charter business or whether it's a, uh, a private jet like a Gulfstream or a Learjet or a Cessna Citation. I, I don't mind whatever it is. But if you do that, you or the people who are in your organization know that buying it is only one part of it. There still is the maintenance of it. And the maintenance of an airplane runs about 15 to 20% of its cost per year. So if you spend uh, $5 million on a jet, the likelihood is that you're going to be spending somewhere around about a million dollars a year. And that means uh, pilot and maintenance and fuel, etc., etc., and everything else. Uh, and so... You know, it's the old thing. They they said they used to ask uh, one of the early American millionaires. I think it was um, uh, might have been Rockefeller. Uh, how much his yacht cost? And he said, "If you have to ask me how much it costs, you can't afford to even maintain it, because with boats, maintenance runs about ten percent of the cost a year." So if you buy a million-dollar boat, plan on spending, yes, as much as possibly 100000 a year to find dockage space for it and for regular maintenance and uh, fuel, etc. So everybody knows that when you buy a capital asset like a boat or a car or an airplane, and yes, it's true for a car as well. You need to be able to have money to maintain it because it takes effort to keep it at its best. You want it to hold its value, and that'll only come about provided you maintain it. Let's say you buy a business, right? You buy a fast food franchise. That's not the end of your work. It's, you don't just buy it and then go on vacation. It takes a lot of maintenance in order to grow, not only keep its value in this case, but grow its value. Uh, let's say you get a, a very top-rate gardener to lay out a beautiful garden for you. You've just built a house, and now you're taking all the, the dirt in front of the house. You've paid somebody to come and make a beautiful garden. And he does the garden a few weeks later or a month or two later, whatever it is. You take a look, and it's absolutely beautiful. And you're as excited. You, you really feel uplifted to live in a house in the middle of such a garden. And um, you thank him and you pay him. And he stands there. He's not going away. You say, do we have any unfinished business? He says, well, yes. Don't you want to talk about maintenance? 
And you say, look, what are you talking about? I've, I've just paid you $30,000 for the garden. What's the maintenance about? He says, well, if you don't arrange for regular maintenance, it's going to revert to be a jungle in a very short period of time. Maintenance is essential. Well, we all know, right, as I'm giving you these examples, and somebody wrote and said I sometimes give too many examples, uh, these examples you all recognize, right? You probably keep saying, yeah, 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 we know, yes, maintenance is important. Trouble is that people are not aware that the same is required for marriage. Yes, it's not that you get married. You know, many guys think that by the time they've summed up the courage to actually ask you to marry them, and they've gone through the engagement, and they've gone through the wedding planning, and then there's been the wedding, they think to themselves, at last, now I can relax. It's, it's, it's all over, without realizing that it's exactly the same as laying out a garden or anything else. No, 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 no. The work now begins, and that is something that people simply do not fully understand. For many women, getting married is such a goal. It is such a bright spot on the horizon that once it actually arrives, they're shocked by many aspects of the marriage, completely unaware that there is serious maintenance work needed Uh, particularly during the first year of the marriage, but nonetheless, even on an ongoing basis, onwards and beyond, very, very serious commitment to maintenance. And so if uh, you are thinking of getting married or you are getting married or you've just gotten married or you've been married for many years, you probably are not giving enough attention to marriage maintenance. And if you don't, as most people do not, then in all probability, you are not enjoying the peak performance of what a marriage could really be. You're not deriving the maximum benefit from it at all. And that is a shame. And so I thought what we'd do is we would talk about um, some of the things that men should do, some of the things women should do, some of the things men should not do, some of the things that women should not do. And if you focus on these, you will be taking a major step forward towards marriage maintenance. Look, this is not the, uh, uh, the end-all and be-all. Marriage is far too complicated for me to be able to say, well, today I'm going to be telling you the three things you have to do in your marriage and everything will be all right. No, that, that is not the case at all. But if you do these three things and you refrain from doing and avoid doing these other three things, you will be way ahead on your maintenance schedule. And um, you will, you know, it's like you've got a, a car. It's amazing. You, you think about it today. The amount of maintenance on a car needed is very little. And in spite of that, uh, friends in the, in the uh, mechanics business tell me people don't look after their cars. You used to have to tune up a car regularly. You had to change the spark plugs. You had to um, reset the timing. You had to do the distributor. So today, spark plugs last. I don't even understand how they pull that off. Electronic ignition does away with the distributor. The electronic, uh, the uh, carburetor is replaced by electronic ignition. 
And so the amount of maintenance needed is very little, but you still need something. If you don't keep a track of uh, your brake pad wear and you ignore it, eventually the brake pads will start chewing into the rotors and uh, the brake performance will suffer terribly. And by now it's deteriorated because you know what happens with maintenance? If you defer maintenance, it doesn't just stay there. It just keeps getting worse and the problems get bigger. This is exactly the same thing when it comes to a marriage, precisely the same thing. So we will start off uh, looking at some of the things that men, husbands, should be doing. Only three things. Doesn't mean that's all there is, I can assure you. But if you're doing these three things, gentlemen, you're way ahead of many people when it comes to your marriage maintenance schedule. Okay, well, let's look at uh, item one in the list of three things that husbands should do. Um, here it is. You need to make sure that your wife feels surrounded by a cocoon of security. Now, a couple of points on this. First of all, I'm giving you the timeless truth. I'm giving you the theoretical principle here. Um, I understand that not every marriage fits some kind of idealized blueprint, and there are many complexities in marriage. But I leave it to you to make the necessary adjustments for your own particular circumstances. But in general, yes, uh, the marriage works better when the man provides a cocoon of security. What I mean by that is that he protects her from worrying about the threats of the outside world. Um, if he's heard that there's been a rash of break-ins in the neighborhood and uh, home invasions and other terrible things perpetrated by consciousless thugs who've never heard the words thou shalt not, then he doesn't go to her and say, oh, I'm getting very nervous. There have been break-ins in the neighborhood. There have been home invasions. No, he takes the necessary steps to make sure that his house is protected. Maybe that involves making sure that he is armed, that he has the ability to protect his family, because, as you know, dialing 911 just does uh, a step towards ensuring that, well, people at least are going to be trying to find those who assaulted you or killed you uh, without very much of a guarantee these days that that'll even succeed. But you are your first, your own first responder. And so you take the steps necessary to make sure that you can protect and defend your family and that your wife knows that she's safe. She doesn't have to worry. Um, when it comes to employees, and this is something I know you know, we all know, and that is that employees in general uh, turn in the best performance when we um, feel slightly insecure. Now, I know <laughs> it would be nice if it wasn't like this, right? It would be wonderful if we all just were such perfect human beings, but you know it doesn't work that way. One of the reasons that you get treated at your local post office the way you do is because postal employees can't be fired. 
They have job security. One of the reasons that uh, you never got a proper education at college is because the professor was tenured. He was non-fireable. The reason that your children are not getting a proper education at GICs, government indoctrination camps, where you send your child for a few hours every day off in that uh, uh, yellow bus that scoops them up and and plunges them into the local GIC. There's a reason those teachers do not, in many cases, deliver proper education to your children, and that is they have total security. They can never be fired. Um, and uh, and in startups, people you know people work in startups knowing full well that if it doesn't pan out, if it doesn't work, they're out on the street. They've lost the opportunity. They've lost the job. And if they did get any uh, share options, well, those are are worthless. And you'll find many of us that have been involved in startups throw ourselves in. We work hard. We push ourselves very hard. This is just a reality about work. When we feel too secure, we simply do not deliver. One of the saddest uh, phenomena in uh, in upscale, upper-end American wealthy society is when children never amount to much because they are surrounded by total security. When uh, foolish parents assure their children, uh, you're never going to have to work, and I'm leaving you so much money. I've, I look at my success. You, you are so fortunate to have parents with this level of financial success. Not true. They're actually rather unfortunate, and uh, there are sadly in this world too many people who were capable and fine people whose entire ambition was ruined and destroyed by too much security. And so... It's important to understand employees, as employees, we don't thrive in security. But one of the mistakes that many men make is they confuse wives with employees. And they think wives do best in a spirit of insecurity. And they don't. When I speak about surrounding your wife with a cocoon of security, that means that you never, ever use the D word. I, I, I've got to, I, I, I think we should think about a divorce if this continues. Uh, what you're doing is you're creating an insecurity and everything in the marriage goes downhill when a man makes his wife feel insecure. So uh, that is a principle that I think everybody, no matter what your marriage is like, no matter your marital condition, That has to be a really useful thing for many of you. I'm sure many of you guys are not aware of that crucial distinction between an employee and a wife. A wife thrives in an atmosphere of security. That's right. Okay, so that's number one in, in my list today. And again, I want to stress these are not the only things by any means. It's not as if you get these three things down, you don't have to worry about anything else. No. But if you do get these three basic, important fundamentals down, you're way ahead of the game and you're on top of your marriage maintenance schedule in a way that makes your mechanic proud. Okay. Uh, Number two in the list of things that men should do for marriage maintenance um, is provide 
attention, affection, admiration. But this is all verbal, right? Attention means that when your wife is speaking to you, you are not looking at your phone. When your wife is talking to you, you put down the book or you put down the newspaper. When you, you, I mean, you really want to do this right. If you're watching your television and your wife starts talking to you, reach for the remote, turn it off, and say, yes, honey, what were you saying? Now, that is a powerful move. Full attention and full affection, not physically, verbally. Uh, expression of admiration. You hear the three A's there? That's the second item on my list of what husbands should be doing. Attention, affection, admiration. Those three A's expressed verbally. Uh, when you express it f uh, physically, you'll pardon me, but uh, that's not for her. That's more for you. Um, it's like a guy giving his wife lingerie gifts. Um, I get it. I get it. But And that's fine, but don't think it's for her. Right? It's for you. Giving a gift means giving what that person really wants and uh, not what you want them to have. And that aspect of gift giving takes extraordinary sensitivity and real, real devotion, dedication, and skill. So that's item number two, attention, affection, and admiration uh, on a verbal level. Right? attention that when you talk to her you're not giving her about a tenth of your attention because the rest of it's on your iPad or your screen or whatever it is no and by the way if, if you are doing something you can't stop doing then say um, honey I'd love to hear what you're saying can we talk in 10 minutes I've got to finish what I'm doing and then do that 10 minutes time go over and uh, and say now I'm in what what is it that you were saying okay Guys are not doing this, right? and uh, I get around enough to know you guys are not doing this enough. Um, item number three, uh, this one is, you would think, a lot simpler, but again, in these busy days with a lot of things pulling at you on, on every level, uh, it's really important to ask yourself if you are doing this enough, and that is desire her and revel in her beauty. Okay, that's, that is something that guys do when they're engaged or when they're dating, sometimes during the honeymoon, but it's very easy afterwards to let the physical side of marriage drift into a sort of a mechanized routine. No, this is an act of purposeful, deliberate desiring and reveling in her beauty. And, and you've got to understand that uh, a, a real woman enjoys him finding her beauty irresistible. It's a good thing, and, but it's got to be expressed. Uh, a man is drawn to a woman's feminine beauty, and that's how it's supposed to be. And women focus on that and go to a great deal of trouble to look as beautiful as they can, and they're not necessarily always doing it consciously. And I'm not saying that all women focus on their beauty in the same way. Uh, some women don't even think about it and, and are probably appalled by listening to me right now. But most women do. 
and for women taking care of their appearance guys i'm putting this in terms i think you'll best understand uh for a woman taking care of her appearance and making the most of her appearance and beautifying herself is as natural as breathing just as looking at a woman's body is as natural as breathing for a man so i think that's an important thing to understand i remember pew research did a big study it was it was a huge thing it it it, it took a long time for me to get through it all but i did this was back in december 2017 and uh he w- was talking about uh, male female relationship, marriage and so a, lo- a lot of important things and again they had interviewed enough people that made it interesting reading i'm not saying it was it's conclusive and i'm not saying it's carved in granite but it was interesting and uh, what they came up with that in the united states of america even as recently as the end of 2017 uh, most respondents said that um, there is no quality of women no attribute of women that is more important than physical attractiveness uh, second on the list was nurturing and empathy in other words, what what did the largest number of people most value in women number one physical attractiveness and number two nurturing and empathy now uh it's not fair (laughs) for me to tell you that without also telling you what were the top two traits most valued in men and uh Again, over a large number of people, what emerged uh, that that people were willing to say, and in this case it was mostly women, uh, women saying what they found most important in men, uh, professional success, translation, money, and number two, morality. How do you like that? Very important. Remember I told you before that a woman wants to surrender herself to a man worthy of her and part of that worthiness is a moral integrity and sure enough this uh, this this pew study uh, confirmed what women want to see most in men are um, uh, financial success number one and number two morality so in other words what men want in women is women who are attractive and emotionally connective and what women want is good men who are financially successful right are there exceptions yes obviously but enough people were polled for me to consider that study valuable enough to share okay so Uh, Those are the three things that men need to focus on doing. Providing a cocoon of security, providing verbal attention, affection, admiration, and number three, recognizing her beauty, delighting in it, and desiring her. Those are the, the three top things for today that men have to do for marriage maintenance. Okay, what are the things that women should do? Okay, all right. Well, um, for women, number one, make the opportunity for physical intimacy. 
In other words, don't just be responsive. That's important as well. But go beyond being available. Make opportunities for marital intimacy. That's number one. Number two, make the effort to look as good as you possibly can for your husband, not for anyone else, not for the rest of the world, not for when you go to work, not for when you go shopping. Yeah, you can do it for all those things, but it should be clear that you're not neglecting yourself and looking terrible while you're at home. But as soon as you go out, do you know what message that sends to your husband? That, you know, it's it's the uh, classical example. There's probably not even any women who actually still are like this today. But, uh, uh, you know, the the, the, almost the cartoon uh, stereotype of the woman walking around the house in hair rollers and a house robe. And then when she gets ready to go out, oh, boy, does she look like a doll. It's okay. That what a, what a, what a terrible message that is. No, um, look, um, we understand. Women want to be desired by men. Women want to attract men. Uh, but more importantly, women want to be the only woman in the world for their man. And their beauty is an essential part of their allure. And you, women listening, you you understand all that. And so make an effort to look as good as you possibly can for your husband. That's step two in what you can do for marriage maintenance right now. Number three, be happy. Be happy. That's right. The impact on your husband will be incalculable. To be married to a happy wife is a blessing for which your husband will never tire of appreciating. So those are the three main things that women should do for marriage maintenance. And you can start doing them right now. Regardless of, regardless, you you might have various personal grudges and animosities. You might have all kinds of things going on. Nonetheless, Create opportunities for seduction. Create opportunities for intimacy. Number two, make sure you look as good as you possibly can for your husband. Number three, be happy. Terribly, terribly important. Uh, Just think about it. You know, imagine now, don't think about yourself or your life or your own complexities or uh, your own uh, particular circumstances, but just imagine you know, imagine a, a husband and wife, theoretical husband and wife out there. And, and just imagine that overnight, the husband surrounds his wife with a cocoon of security. So she really just, like all worries, go away. The big worries about life are gone. Um, he's, uh, he's not going to leave her. He's not going to, um, he, he's not going to run out of money. He's not, there's not going to be any form of insecurity. He gives her attention when she talks. He listens, and he admires her, and he shows affection to her, not with his hands or his mouth, but with words. And thirdly, he just delights in her beauty and desires her constantly. Uh, And she, for her part, wow, she makes opportunity 
for them to be together, makes an effort to look as good as she possibly can for her husband, and she exudes a state of happiness. I'm sure you can see that this is a fantastic marriage. But wait, that's not all. There are also three things that men have to avoid. Very important. Okay, are you ready for the three things that men have to avoid? Okay, number one, um, an appearance of laziness and languor, uh, a loss of ambition, um, sitting around, watching TV or watching or playing video games, any passive activity that your wife sees you doing a lot really destructive. You've you got to avoid that. This is a, a crucial thing in marriage maintenance. You didn't used to do this, uh, or maybe you did. Maybe you thought that when you get married, you just keep on doing as you did before. But no, this is very destructive to a marriage. This is like not only not changing the oil in your car, but when you do change it, you use used oil because you can buy it nice and cheap. So um, you've got to avoid appearing lazy, unambitious. Um, you should never, ever get up in the morning later than your wife. shouldn't do that. Um, you should be doing things. You should be being productive. This is an aspect of masculinity. And the, the more you do that, the more positivity you bring into the relationship. So do not come across as lazy. Uh, do not stop exerting the effort necessary to make sure your body doesn't make horrible noises, animalistic sounds uh, from either end of your gastrointestinal tract, uh, mouth or the other end. Just making sure that you don't make gross noises. Make sure that uh, your laziness doesn't extend to not even taking care of yourself hygienically and physically. Any appearance of laziness, any appearance of languor, any appearance of loss of ambition or lack of ambition, all of these things, destructive. Identify them in yourself. Find the things you're doing. Stop doing them today. A crucial step in marriage maintenance for men. Uh, second thing, do not abandon leadership. All right, leadership means uh, making sure the bills get paid. Leadership means making sure that the family's needs, whatever they are, are taken care of. Leadership means that you don't act like your wife's son. You don't act like her little boy, leaving her to worry about all the, the major uh, decisions, about all the steps that have to be taken, all the things that a marriage and a family need going on. You, gentlemen, you need to exert leadership. So do not abandon leadership. And uh, number three, um, do not exhibit moral turpitude. In other words, don't behave immorally don't don't do wrong things that's all and uh, so in other words if uh, where before you got married you had a nasty habit of um, 
finding ways to get something for free by cheating or whatever it was you know let's i mean worst worst case scenario used to duck out of restaurants without paying or you found ways to not tip or whatever you know what i'm talking about all these things that um that adolescent guys think are clever you get married you do those things you're harming your marriage your wife may laugh but she doesn't admire it and a wife needs a man she admires being upright and moral having integrity are really important things when those things go you lose some of the regard your wife has for you so uh, crucially important those are the things uh, avoid appearance of laziness and lack of ambition passive being passive avoid all that uh, avoid abandoning leadership and avoid moral turpitude avoid doing things that are just immoral or wrong uh, those are three really important things. And you know what? They're things you can stop doing immediately. Uh, I'm sure that any happy warrior listening to this show, any happy warrior is, uh, is not somebody who has a lot, of the, a lot of items in the moral turpitude list. But being as we're all human, um, you may not be able to find as many as me, but you can look and see. Maybe you've got one or two things you're doing that are not really up to the standard you'd like to have for yourself, um, stop doing them. Okay. Uh, what are the things that women should avoid doing in this, uh, in, in this category? Right? For regular scheduled marriage maintenance, there are obviously some things women should avoid doing as well, right? We've looked at three things men should do. We've looked at three things men should avoid. We've also looked at three things women should do, and now we're going to look at three things women should avoid. Is this the comprehensive list and you never have to worry about anything else? All you've got to do is quickly get some paper, write down these items. No, these are important items, no question about it. They're a wonderful place to start. If, if you feel that on some level you've been neglecting your marriage maintenance, then these are good places to begin. It's not everything, but it's a really good place to begin. And so... We've done what men should do and what men should avoid. We've done what women should do. And here are three things for women to avoid. Um, do not harm his ego. That's a big category. Just don't do anything that harms him, his ego. What does that include? Um, putting him down in public or private. When you disparage your husband in public or private, when you mock him, when you ridicule him, when you make him feel small, and because you look at him as this big, tough guy who other guys are sometimes even frightened of, you assume that there's nothing you can do that would hurt him. And you are so wrong. You have the capacity to shatter his ego to smithereens. And when you criticize him in public, when you disparage him, you belittle him, you ridicule him, in private or public, or you show that you've got no confidence in him at all. Um, or when, you know, somebody says, you know, you, you really need to um, have this thing put in your house. And you say, oh, my husband wouldn't be able to do that. It's, it's a harmless thing on the surface of it. And you even think it's funny. It's not.
um, you'd be surprised how many things you do that actually harm your husband's ego. And if you do enough of that, you will so demolish his ego that, number one, he won't be the guy that you loved anymore. And, um, and secondly, he'll seek other outlets to build his ego of, of one kind or another. And, um, and it, it not, not, not that it's right, but it's understandable. Um, when you harm his ego, you are taking away you're withholding one of the crucial things for which a man needs a wife. So uh, harming his ego is number one in, in, in many, many forms. Um, obviously, the, the uh, corollary of that is doing everything you can to build his ego, and we covered that a little bit in uh, the list of things women should do that we just uh, did a little while ago. Um, the uh, second thing that women must avoid, nagging, nagging. You know, it's, it's enough to, it, 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 it just makes a man's life unpleasant. And again, if you grew up in a home, ladies, I've seen this happen so often, you really need to examine and make sure if this is you. If you grew up in a home where your mother constantly nagged your father, Never once do you hear your mother giving your father a compliment, saying how much she admires him, saying how much she appreciates him. All she does is nag, 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 then the odds are you doing it as well without even knowing it. So uh, look into your behavior, watch yourself carefully, and um, your husband's not going to tell you that. He doesn't want to hurt your feelings. He's not going to say you're a nag. So um, that is number two. Number three, uh, do not destroy the peace in your home. Don't make your home a drama place. Don't be a drama queen. Um, you emotionally drain your husband when you turn everything, especially little things, into five alarm fires. Right? I'm sure you've seen that. I know I've seen it. It's, uh, it's sad to be in a home where, even as a guest, and you know you're going home soon, but... As long as you're there, you're watching the drama ratchet up constantly. It's horrible. Every situation gets ratcheted up, so uh, the, the atmosphere becomes tense. It's not necessary. Don't be a drama queen. It, it, it destroys the peace in the home. So those are the three things that I list at the top of my list of things that wives should avoid. Harming his ego. Uh, which, you know, showing no confidence in him, putting him down, putting your kids ahead of him. No, that's wrong. That's what animals do, not, not humans. Humans, mothers, wives, put husband before children. Uh, put your own mother before your husband. Heaven forbid, don't even dream of doing that. So harming his ego, nagging, and being a drama queen. Those are the three things to avoid in uh, in your situation. So that is um, that is, I think, the important. Th those are really the important twelve things I would list, and uh, and let you think about. Uh, you you know, I must tell you that if you're a human being, you're imperfect, right? That's true. We're all imperfect. Uh, you go through. You're going to find that you are not doing enough 
of the three good things you as a man or three good things you as a woman should be doing, and you are probably doing too many of the three bad things you should be avoiding. That's true for each and every one of us. Um, You could download at a very special price for listeners to this show, you could download a wonderful audio program that my wife and I prepared called Madam I'm Adam, Decoding Marriage Secrets from Eden. Two-hour audio program, really important, particularly to listen together with the person you are married to, the person you'd like to be married to, the person you're thinking of getting married to, uh, the person you're dating. Listening to this together brings out items that you should discuss that ordinarily couples sweep under the carpet, don't talk about. So it's an immensely useful program. You can download it at a special price for listeners to this show at rabbidaniellappin.com. That's right. Go to our website. There's a store there. You go to the store. You look for the audio program, Madam, I'm Adam, Decoding Marriage Secrets from Eden. It even comes with a 16-page study guide. Really, really useful. So that is at rabbidaniellappin.com. And you look for Madam, I'm Adam, Decoding Marriage Secrets from Eden. And do let me know how well it works for you. I know it will be positive because I know from the kind of results we've been getting from other people, uh, people find it very useful in terms of their marital relationships existing, hoped for, or ones you wish to repair. Um, Or maybe you're serious about getting into marriage maintenance finally. You look after your car, you're looking after your jet, you're looking after your yacht, you're looking after your business, you're looking after your garden. Now it's time to look after your marriage. Follow the manufacturer's recommended maintenance schedule. That's right. That is what you need to be doing. Also, uh, you can shoot me an email, easily done, by going to rabbidaniellappin.com, and you'll see in the About Us section there's a, a tab for Contact Us. I will receive your email that way. Have no fear, and um, I look forward to hearing from you. Also, I uh, want to encourage you to make sure you are subscribed to some or all of our mailings. We do weekly mailings, Thought Tools, Susan's Musings, Uh, Ask the Rabbi is a fascinating one. And at our website, you can also take a look at previous questions we have addressed and answered. And uh, you can also join the discussion after each of these things. All at the website. There's a lot of content there. And I think you'll appreciate it and enjoy it. I know I appreciate hearing from you. And I very much enjoy doing so. So thanks for being part of the show. Thanks for uh, helping promote it. Thanks for telling other people about the show. And I wish you, until we're together next week, I wish you a week of good times with your family, with your faith, with your friendships, and with your finances. I'm Rabbi Daniel Lappin. God bless. Filling ancient solutions to modern problems in areas of family, faith, friendship, and finance. This is Rabbi Daniel Lappin On Demand on the Blaze Radio Network.